0: Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hello, it's Paul and Byron by the Vancouver Giants. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. I'm Dylan Cousins of the Westbridge Hurricanes. Hey guys, this is Cam
1: Spencer Knight. This is Matt Fouldy. It's Alex Turcotte from King USA.
0: Hi, it's Maurice Sider from the I'm. This is Alexis Lafrenière of the Rimouski Oceanic. Major Junior. They were the best in the QMJHL, and now the Huskies are Memorial Cup champions. NCAA. Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet. The bench is
2: ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions.
0: The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft.
2: With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes.
0: And more. Unbelievable. Wow. That's incredible. This is The Pipeline Show. All right.
2: (laughs) Well, good weekend and welcome to another episode of The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Thanks for uh, downloading this week's episode. If you're a newcomer to the show, then welcome to the program. If you're a returning listener... And thank you for the continued support, especially those who have uh, signed up to be patrons at patreon.com slash thepipelineshow. All those patrons getting early access. All the interviews you're going to hear on today's episode, well, they were done earlier in the week uh, for the most part. Uh, And uh, so uh, patrons have had the opportunity to hear those segments pretty much about an hour after the interview is uh, completed. So you check that out and see if it's of interest to you. Patreon.com slash thepipelineshow. All right, as always, we start with the question of the day. There's actually two of them this week. I'll get to one later on in the show. But uh, one of the questions, uh, I mentioned it on Twitter. Great race right now in the NCAA uh, among freshman scorers. Uh, here's how they stand right now. Uh, and the question is, who's going to end up being the top-scoring freshman this year? Uh, Nick Abruzzi of uh, Harvard. He is a Toronto Maple Leafs draft pick. He has 37 points. Alex Newhook from Boston College, Colorado Avalanche draft pick. He has 36 points. Cole Caulfield uh, from Wisconsin has 34. He's a Canadian's draft pick. And uh, Anaheim Duck first-rounder Trevor Zegres at Boston University has 33 points. Four points separating four players. Uh, and that it's a poll question, so uh, pick which guy you want. Nick Abruzzese is uh, leading the vote-getting, and I'm wondering if that's a lot of uh, Maple Leaf fans stuffing the ballot box there or if they're expecting Harvard to go deep in the National Championship Tournament this year. Alex Newhook from Boston College is uh, the next vote-getter, but Abruzzi leads the way 46.5% of the vote. Newhook with 31.8%. Cole Caulfield, who is three points behind the lead right now, uh, they play this weekend and uh, then a, a playoff game. That might be it for the Badgers as they are in last place. They would have to win the Big Ten Conference playoffs to get in and extend their season, and I don't think anybody is expecting that. So Caulfield, who has 14.5% of the vote, might actually end up being the lowest scoring uh, of the four. Uh, Trevor Zegres, just 7.2% in the uh, poll. Uh, Am I a little bit surprised by that? I actually thought Newhook would uh, run away with this poll, but it's uh, the Leaf prospect, Nick Abruzzese with 46.5% that leads the way. Let's go to the uh, CHL News. We'll start with the uh, top 10 right now. That comes out on Wednesday of every week. So coming into this weekend's play, the Sherbrooke Phoenix back in uh, top spot. The Ottawa 67s drop to number two. Moncton gets past Portland. Uh, They now hold the number three spot while the Winterhawks fall to four. Edmonton holds steady at five. Everett, who are uh, red hot right now, they are up to number six. Shakutami is seven. London... Kitchener and Flint round out the top 10. The Honourable Mentions this week go to Cape Breton, the Lethbridge Hurricanes, and the Saginaw Spirit. Top scorers in the queue, and remember, this was last week's uh, poll question. Who's going to end up leading the, the CHL in scoring? Well, Alexi Lafreniere up to 101 points now. Huge lead over Alex Hovanov uh, from the Moncton Wildcats. He has 89. Igor Sokolov with 85. Cedric Paré with 84. Felix Roberto with 83. Jumping over to the OHL and uh, Marco Rossi now with 105 points. So leads the OHL, leads the entire Canadian Hockey League right now. Uh, Lafreniere is with uh, 101 points, but Cole Perfetti has 102 right now uh, for the Saginaw Spirit. Uh, Phil Tomasino with 97. You have Connor McMichael of the London Knights with 94. And Arthur Kaliev of the Hamilton Bulldogs with 93 points. And in the uh, Western Hockey League, Adam Beckman, Closest guy to uh, hitting the 100-point mark, and we'll probably do that this weekend. He's got 98. Seth Jarvis uh, with the Portland Winterhawks is up to second place now. He has 86 points. Jimmy Hamblin with 84. Zane Franklin of the Kamloops Blazers with 81. And Dylan Cousins down in Lethbridge has 76 points. Big game tonight in the Western Hockey League as uh, Lethbridge is hosting the Edmonton Oil Kings. Not a lot of suspense in terms of uh, who's going to get into the playoffs in the WHL. Uh, in the in the West, Prince George and, and Tri-City, uh, they are out. And uh, in the East, uh, Red Deer, Regina, Moose Jaw and Swift Current are not going to make the playoffs. So not a lot of suspense in terms of who's getting in. Really, it's just playoff seeding uh, that's left to be determined. About 10 games on average uh, left to go in the regular season uh, for most clubs. Teams who are uh, red hot right now, Everett, Spokane, Vancouver, all 9-1. and one. The Edmonton Oil Kings are 8-2, and two, including a 10-1 uh, trouncing of the uh, Winnipeg Ice. Uh, Prince Albert's also uh, playing very well, 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. And don't look now, but the Calgary Hitmen are starting to heat up at the right time of year, 7-3. and three. They're uh, currently running a two-game uh, winning streak. Now tied with the Medicine Hat Tigers as well for a third spot uh, in the uh, Central Division, so that could be exciting down the stretch for sure in uh, the WHL's Eastern Conference. Massive upset uh, last weekend in uh, U Sports playoff hockey out here in Canada West as the uh, University of Alberta Golden Bears knocked off. They will not be going to the uh, Nationals this year. The uh, University of British Columbia uh, pulling off another big upset as they took out Mount Royal in round one, and they uh, send the Golden Bears packing. In the conference semifinals. Well, this weekend, the playoffs continue across Canada. Ottawa won game one of their best of three against Concordia. 3-2 the score there. Guelph beating Western 2-1. Game two goes uh, tomorrow in both of those series. Uh, UBC, who I mentioned, they're in Saskatchewan to take on the Huskies. Both teams will end up going to the Nationals. But uh, UBC with a uh, chance to win a conference title, which they haven't done in a very long time. Uh, also on the schedule this weekend, Acadia will be playing a uh, UNB for a uh, top spot. That's the AUS final game. One for that uh, goes Monday, actually, and a uh, game two on uh, Wednesday, the third game, if necessary, uh, not until next Friday. So uh, AUS playoffs wrapping up a little bit after uh, everybody else's. The eight teams that go off to the Nationals, then they get into a bracket format. That's changed over the last uh, few years. I think most people like those changes as well. Top 20 in the NCAA, Cornell holding down the number one spot. Uh, They have uh, 27 of the uh, first-place votes. Minnesota State with 14 first-place votes. They come in at number two in North Dakota with nine first-place votes. So far from unanimous, but those three teams are the only clubs with uh, first-place votes in the poll. Boston College is four. The Duluth Bulldogs are five. Then you've got Denver, Clarkson, Massachusetts, Penn State, and Ohio State as the uh, top 10. Bemidji State, UMass Lowell, uh, Northeastern Arizona State at 14. Now Maine, Western Michigan, Quinnipiac, Minnesota, Providence, and uh, American International uh, coming in at 20. Playoff format changes in the USHL announced uh, this week. First round is going to be a best of three and all played at the uh, higher seeds rink. The conference finals are a best of three, and that's going to be a a one-two format. So the lower seed will host the first game, and the uh, two and three games will be played at the higher seed. And it's a bracket this year, so everybody's locked in. So you'll know who the the teams that get the first round by will know who they're playing. They won't have to wait until the first round is complete before finding out who they play in the uh, second round. Regular season done in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. Uh, quite the year for the Sherwood Park Crusaders, who end with a record of 49-9 and uh, on the year. And in the south, uh, Okotoks also. Both teams end with 98 points. The uh, Oilers, though, 47-7-4, and their record. Uh, but the playoffs are set. In the north, it'll be Grand Prairie taking on Spruce Grove. Uh, Fort Mac and uh, Whitecourt will get together. Drayton Valley will play Bonneville. Uh, the uh, Crusaders uh, get the first round bye. With the Calgary Mustangs done this year, that means uh, an uneven number of teams making the playoffs. Seven in the north, six in the south. Olds will play Drumheller. Uh, Canmore will take on the uh, Camaros Kodiaks. Uh, and that means the uh, Okotoks Oilers and the Brooks Bandits get a bye in the first round. All those playoff uh, series get going here uh, this weekend. All guests of the Pipeline Show join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline, a brewery out of Red Deer, Alberta. You can find that tap room at 5551 45th Street. Let them know ahead of time. You can also book a uh, tour of the uh, brewery. Uh, I'm headed to the tap room uh, tomorrow. The All Kings are in Red Deer to play that evening. Going to be uh, getting together with uh, Cam Moon. And uh, looking forward to uh, getting to the tap room. There is a. Endless love, barrel-aged sour saison with apricot with my name on it. Uh, Just waiting for me there. Speaking of the guest list, here's who's coming down the pipe this week. We'll kick things off with Sarah Jean Marr. She is the uh, communications director for the Ontario Hockey League. Talk to her about uh, an interesting year in the OHL and about her career path. And following up on that, uh, Paula Weston from USCHO. You have heard Paula on the show many times over the last decade or so. Uh, We're going to talk Big Ten hockey and uh, also what it's like for her over the last uh, number of years. She's been covering college hockey for like two decades now. Uh, So we'll get a sense of what uh, that has been like for her. Then we will have a pair of 2020 draft spotlight segments. Two guys that I've actually been chasing for a little while. Uh, The first, Connor McLennan of the Winnipeg Ice on the shelf right now with a uh, collarbone injury. And that is a costly loss right now for the Ice, who have uh, dropped three straight. Uh, but Connor McLennan, you will hear on the show today, and the uh, top-ranked defenseman in the entire class of 2020. His name is Jamie Drysdale, plays for the Erie Otters of the OHL. Jamie Drysdale himself coming off an injury here as of late, but uh, helping the Erie Otters try to lock down the uh, final playoff a spot in the OHL's Western Conference. Today's last segment Former Edmonton Oil King, now with the UBC Thunderbirds. His name is Colton Keller, and uh, boy, what a run. The uh, T-Birds are on right now, getting set to go to uh, Saskatchewan, take on the Huskies, potentially win a Canada West Conference title. I'll let him tell you how important that is to the uh, program, and then they're off to Nationals. So full slate of guests, maybe even an overstuffed show. We'll kick it all off next with Sarah Jean Marr from the Ontario Hockey League. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming.
0: Well, he wants this hat trick and he's just going right to the net, scores! There it is! He
2: wanted it! He got it! <laughs> Give him five points!
3: Hey, it's Gabriel Valetti of the Windsor Spitfires and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
4: There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time.
0: You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Hey, Scott!
2: We're back on the Pipeline Show, and we're kicking off this week's episode in fine fashion as we're going to head to the Ontario Hockey League by CHL Insider today. Uh, and those segments brought to you by the store next door out in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. Collecting broken hockey sticks, turning that uh, junk into some absolute uh, cool treasures you can have in your fan cave, or maybe you got a sports bar, something like that. They do a fantastic job, and they're all made by people with disabilities. Employing people with disabilities at the store next Ca, Check them out. Highly recommend them. Uh, my guest today is uh, working uh, with the Ontario Hockey League, but uh, she's been around uh, junior hockey uh, for quite a while now. Her, You can follow her on uh, Twitter at Sarah Jean Marr, and uh, of course, that is my guest. Sarah, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you?
5: I'm very well. Thanks so much for having me. Uh,
2: well, I appreciate you making time this week. Exciting times around, well, the entire Canadian Hockey League, but in the OHL, I, I mean, what, there's about... A dozen games left, uh, and the stretch drive to the playoffs always exciting.
5: Yeah, it's definitely an exciting time right now. Teams are starting to clinch. Uh, it's really getting down to the wire, and um, yeah, it's just a pretty exciting year for the OHL in general.
2: Well, the top team in the entire Canadian Hockey League, the Ottawa Sixty-Sevens, they're rolling right now and have a big cushion uh, atop the uh, the Eastern Conference and the West. You got some great playoff races. I really like it to see teams that aren't always at the top finding their way into the mix. Uh, the great story with the Flint Firebirds this year. Would you agree?
5: Yeah, it's definitely um, definitely nice to uh, see teams like that do very well. Um, yeah, it's been been very exciting.
2: Uh, no question about that. And the playoffs, I'm sure, will uh, provide a lot more excitement as well. I, I wanted to get you on uh, the show this week, uh, SJ, and I I know a lot of people call you SJ, so I'm going to take advantage of that as well. The creation uh, not that long ago of uh, a new podcast uh, by the league. Is is this your uh, is this your brainstorm? <laughs>
5: um I can't take full credit. That's uh that would be my partner Josh. That was um, <laughs> kind of his uh his little project, but uh something we've been working on together. Um I think it adds a nice uh a nice extra element to um all the work we do and all the um all our you know our uh, desire to kind of promote the teams both on the ice and all the all the stuff they do off the ice, which is kind of where i've I've come in and added out of that community element um so yeah, it's just you know another fun way to reach out to all the fans and just have them keep them in the know
2: is it important in these this day and age with social media and all of that to really try to engage the fans in in new creative ways is that sort of the, the genesis behind this uh the new podcast which is called OHL This Week.
5: Yeah, I definitely I definitely think that's uh that's part of it. Um I just you know it's it's nice to hear the players' voices and you know get that conversational aspect out there as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that's um, I think that's a, a different element that it's something we haven't really done too much of before. So that's, uh, yeah, it's something we're we're trying out right now. And I mean, we're having a lot of
2: fun with it too. It's you and, uh, Josh Sweetland uh, is the Josh, uh, that you mentioned earlier. So far, your guests, you've had David Branch, a good way to, to kick off, uh, uh, the, the new podcast. But, uh, Phil Tomasino, what a year he's had. Tied to Lander, we just mentioned the Flint Firebirds, uh, and Luke Boca as well, you've had on recently. So going through all the captains, is that sort of the, the game plan? Who do you have? Can you reveal uh, a look behind the curtain over the next couple of weeks, who you have in mind? <laughs> uh,
5: unfortunately, I cannot reveal, but I will just say stay tuned because, um, you know, we, we, yeah, like I said, we would like to give the players a, a bit of a voice there, but um, it's just, it's nice to get a lot of different perspectives. So um, yeah, just stay tuned and you'll, you'll see what's coming. That's all I can say.
2: Where do people uh, track down the show? Where, where is it available?
5: Uh, so, of course, follow us on social media. We'll always, you know, we heavy train of uh, getting get, getting content out there, so you can definitely keep track there. Uh, you can listen on Spotify. You can listen on our website. Um, I think. What am I missing? Apple Music. Yeah, all <laughs> of those. Basically, basically all of those good spots. Uh,
2: Sarah Jean Mar is my guest and she works for the Ontario Hockey League. Now, this that's fairly new. Is this first second year with the league? Uh, this is my, my first year with the league. Your first year, but you've been around junior yeah. hockey for a while. What were you doing before getting in, uh, involved with the league directly?
5: So I've, yeah, you're right. I've covered junior hockey in the past. I've, um, worked closely with, uh, the Ottawa 67s in, in Ottawa. Um, I went to school there, so that was kind of where I made the jump and made the connection there. Um, I've done some writing for some, various magazines, done some blogging. Um, from there, I kind of made the jump to the NHL for a bit. But uh, you know, I'm, I, of course, uh, you know, the junior hockey community is great. And I've always really enjoyed kind of being in that space. So uh, it's it's nice to be Nice to be working working here again.
2: I'm guessing you've been a hockey fan for a long time. What brought you to the sport and what made you want to cover it from a, a professional standpoint?
5: Uh, well, so I studied uh, journalism in school and um, I found that for me, it was kind of, I found it a little easier to kind of pick pick a groove and pick a, a niche and try to make a name for myself that way. Mm. So um, I really enjoy, like you said, I have been a hockey fan for a while and I I just, I wanted to do something fun and something that I really enjoyed. And um, when I was in school, I just kind of found it, I found my groove that way. And I, like I said, kind of made a name for myself by sticking, 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 staying in that lane and just making connections that way. And, you know, whenever I had assignments, I kind of. Gear towards the sports angle a bit and again i just i just found i really enjoyed it
2: well that's the bottom line isn't it if if you can make a career out of something that you enjoy doing uh, what's the old saying you'll never work a day in your life if you're doing something like yeah, that. yeah so, exactly so that's, that's a great yeah great attitude yeah. to have about it for sure now i've been talking with a lot of ladies here on this show over the last month about uh, you know what it's been like for them uh, as uh, as female journalists or in your case working for the league but hockey still a, a pretty male dominant uh environment uh, for um a working environment to be around H- has it been interesting for you in that regard uh, being still i mean uh, i guess in the minority when it comes to uh, covering the league or being around hockey as a woman no, what's your experience been like
5: um i've been i've been pretty lucky i've had i've had good experiences uh, i know that's not everyone's <laughs> i know that's not everyone's experience and mm. i definitely think there's overall, there's work to be done, but um, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I'm not going to, yeah, you, you definitely, you know, you're, you know, you're in the minority and there are definitely challenges that come with that, but um, I've, I've been, I've been okay. And I've, I've had help. I've had people, I guess people look out for me and, Uh, you know, this industry, a lot of it is about making connections and asking for advice and doing a lot of volunteering and taking on a lot of, uh, I guess freelance projects. But, um, yeah, I, I, I can't really complain. I've had, I've had a pretty, pretty good path. It hasn't always been easy, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it seems to have come along pretty well.
2: Never had an experience where, whether it was a player or a coach or a GM or something like that, that you felt maybe was treating you a little bit differently because you're not a guy?
5: Um, I mean, for the most part, no. Like I said, that, I mean, some, sometimes you, it kind of hits you that you're, I guess, in the minority, but mm-hmm. I, for the most part, no.
2: Okay, well, that's, that's good to hear for sure. Where do you, uh, want to take the career? Are you, I mean, you're only with the league. This is, as you said, your first year, so I, I'm sure you're not looking too far down the road at this point, but where do you, where do you want to take the journalism career?
5: Um, I'm very happy where I'm at right now. Um, I've, I love writing about hockey. I like interviewing players. I like telling stories and I've always been a big junior hockey advocate, so I think it's, um, I think I'm in a pretty good
2: spot. Excellent. Well, SJ, listen, I really appreciate you making time today. I appreciate uh, getting the chance to speak to you about uh, some of this stuff. Uh, I wish you the best of luck, and, uh, boy, you're going to get to watch some exciting hockey here uh, once the playoffs get started.
5: Yes, yeah, thank you so much for having me.
2: Sarah Jean Marr from the OHL. Uh, thanks to her for uh, giving me a little bit of time there to uh, talk about the OHL and about her career path. The uh playoff picture for the Ontario Hockey League? Well, in the Eastern Conference, and keep in mind, the OHL still goes 1v8 rather than divisional playoffs like uh, the NHL and like the WHL. Um, 1v8. So in the Eastern Conference, if they started tomorrow, it would be Ottawa against Niagara. But the Kingston Frontenac's just two points back uh, of Niagara for that last playoff spot. They actually have a couple games in hand on uh, the Ice Dogs right now as well. So can Shane Wright lead his team into the playoffs. Some playoff seating to be decided uh, in the uh, Eastern Conference as well. As You have Barry, Hamilton, and Mississauga separated by just two points. Uh, They're currently sitting 5th, 6th, and 7th. Meanwhile, in the uh, Western Conference, coming into this weekend's play, the London Knights are in top spot with 80 points and have two games in hand on uh, Flint, who is in second. The Firebirds have been playing really well here as of late. Uh, the Kitchener Rangers, the Saginaw Spirit, uh, those three teams, Flint, Kitchener, and Saginaw, all, again, separated by two points. And really only the final uh, entrant up for grabs is Erie and the Sioux Greyhounds separated by three, but Erie in eighth place have a couple of games in hand on the, the Greyhounds, so it looks like they're in control of their own destiny here with, uh, well, they have 11 games left, the Greyhounds just nine games left. All right, up next, joining me via the Troubled Monk hotline will be Paula Weston from USCHO. We're going to talk some college hockey as it's the final weekend of the regular season for the Big Ten Conference. And lots to be decided still as the playoffs are right around the corner. She will set the stage for that. We're also going to talk to her about how things have changed or have they changed in her 20 years plus of covering college hockey as a female reporter. That is all coming up next. Paula Weston from Joe on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming.
0: McCarthy trying to get it out of his own zone. Picks it up again behind the USA goal. This time a safe play and he finds Turcotte with Gildon shorthanded Short-handed and over-line Turcotte. Out in front. Scored! What a move! Alex Turcotte a short-handed goal.
1: It's Alex Turcott from Team USA, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Black eyes open
0: wide. it's time to testify, there's no room for life and everyone's waiting for you. Passion, talent, development, NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 90% rate. NHLers Kyle Turris,
1: wow, what a goal. and
0: Duncan Keith, and Duncan Keith future NHLers Tyson Jost and Dante Fabro all took the campus route. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Hey,
2: as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Back on the Pipeline Show, and we're continuing on with our theme this month, talking with ladies who are working in and around hockey, and we'll get to that in a second. But it is an NCAA Campus Report segment. Those are always brought to you by College Hockey, Inc. If you're a player or you have a player in your family and they are looking to explore all of their options, you need to know what you can and what you can't do to maintain your college eligibility. And College Hockey Inc. is a great resource for that. You can get in touch with Mike Snee or Nate Ewell, and they can steer you in the right direction as well. My guest today is uh, Paul Weston from USCHO. Paul, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. It's been a while.
6: It has. Thanks. It's good to hear from you.
2: It is, uh, and uh, it's good to catch up with you as well. And exciting times. Playoffs right around the corner. Of oh. course, you cover, oh, yeah. the, you cover the Big Ten for USCHO and uh, right down to the wire. Got some great races right now.
6: It's crazy. I mean... I knew it would be interesting this season because you know you, there's only seven teams in the league in spite of its name, and um and each team has specific strengths that it can play to um, and I hate the word "parody" that's bandied about uh uh college athletics so much, but it absolutely is true. you know there's a lot of parody in the big Ten this year, so we knew it would be weird and crazy, but boy, it's crazy. <laughs>
2: Well, final weekend uh, this weekend, right, of the regular season, and then we get into playoffs, and every team in the conference gets in, but the top team yep. gets that bye uh, through the first round. Right now, that's Penn State, but they're the only team not playing this weekend, so everybody else has a an opportunity to, to catch them. Well, Ohio State and the uh, Minnesota Golden Gophers can catch them. Uh, what do you foresee with this weekend?
6: I don't know. Boy, you know, and, and I really, I know, I know. Hey, I'm the expert on this, right? I mean, that's the weird thing. Like, it's, it's, okay, so Penn State has 41 points. Ohio State and Minnesota are tied with 37 points in second place. Each game is worth six points, so the weekend's worth, or three points, so the weekend's worth six, right? So, uh, Ohio State plays last place Wisconsin, There is no easy anything in the Big Ten, so there's no guarantee that the Buckeyes will actually take those six points. They put themselves in a really good position last week, though, by playing and sweeping Michigan State, a team that has been playing really, really well in the second half. So that gives me some idea that maybe Ohio State is healthy, that they are focused. They have a very veteran team. And so, uh, and a team that's been to the Frozen Four, and so I think the juniors and seniors. And so, uh, you know, they've got a team that is focused and understands how to win and be successful. And that can be a big advantage in college hockey, obviously. So perhaps they're a team that can take advantage of this and get the five points that they need to overtake Penn State, right? Which Mm -hmm. would be, you know. Uh, uh, a win and a a tie with the extra point um, from from either a shootout or from the three-on-three. So that's a possibility. And then you have Minnesota, that is young, was, I think, the second hottest team in the Big Ten until last weekend when they went to Penn State, and Penn State took five of six possible points from them. So Penn State's another veteran team, right? And Mm -hmm. so they also have incredible playoff experience, not frozen Four experience, but playoff experience. And so they knew what was at stake and they did what they needed to do, stopping a really young team in its tracks. Um, that I, I don't know what that means for this weekend though, because you've got youthful enthusiasm and I think Minnesota is the fastest team that I've seen playing this season. So you've got that going. Um, they could possibly get five points out of this weekend as well and surpass uh, Penn state. And if it winds up in a tie, if it's like a three way tie between Penn State, Ohio State and Minnesota, which is a possibility, mm-hmm. um, then Penn State has a tiebreaker. If it's a tie between Penn State and Ohio State, Penn State has a tiebreaker. If it's a, if it's they've got all the tiebreakers. So okay. that's you know, that's that. So um Minnesota or Ohio State would have to um overtake them. And if Minnesota and Ohio State tie, Ohio State has a tiebreaker, the first tiebreaker. So um it, it's, it depends on what happens. Ohio State has really sort of struggled on and off with consistency this season. I know they've had some injuries, and that's been part of the problem, so they haven't had a full complement of players. And so, uh, and they've also kind of struggled in goal in places that they didn't, you know, it's a place that they didn't think they were going to struggle for a little bit. and And I don't know if this means that they have come into their own at exactly the right time after what they did against a very good Michigan State team last weekend or not. And then Minnesota struggled, and then came on in the second half with confidence. But after last weekend, I don't know how a young team is going to respond. And I know that this, that Guy Gidowski is going to be watching every possible game that he can this weekend <laughs> to see where Penn State winds up, right? Yeah. And they're also going to be looking back at the season and sort of regretting a few things. I mean, they had all season long, uh, Gadowski talked about how the team was struggling with an identity crisis. You know, they averaged more than five goals or about five goals a game last season. And he prides himself on a really offensive team. that's really fast up and down the ice. And, and they, they got shut out a few times this year. And that really, I think threw them and, and they had several games where they scored tons of goals. They're still scoring over four goals a game, I think, um, or close to it. But, uh, and a lot of players, a lot of coaches would love to have that problem. But, uh, they really are. They really are struggling, and I know that if they don't capture the regular season title, they're going to look back at a couple of weekends and go, "Man, why couldn't we have done what we did against Minnesota that weekend?"
2: Well, you know. I see Penn State scores more than anybody else in the conference, and by a mm-hmm. significant margin. But only Wisconsin has allowed more goals as well. So Penn, right. State's, <laughs> Penn State's scoring five goals a game, it seems like. But they yeah, have exactly.
6: to. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's that's sort of been. For as long as I've known Daganowski, that's sort of been his MO, like all the way back to when I knew him when I covered the CCHA and he was at Alaska Fairbanks. And he plays a very passionate. He wants his team to play a very passionate, up and down the ice, transitional, fast, offensive game. And and to have you know to be able to score just one more goal than you allow still gets you to win, right? Yeah. And so. And that's, and that's how he's always been. That's the style of hockey he plays, and it's really worked for him. But this season, when that offense has dropped off just a little bit, it's been enough for concern for him. So, yeah, they allow a lot of goals. They do, in spite of the fact that Dayton Jones is having a really good season.
4: Doesn't
2: surprise me when you say that about Guy Gadowski. He's an Edmonton guy who grew up here in the eighties <laughs> exactly. in the glory days of the Oilers and that they were all running gun. Um, you know, you've
6: you've got to look though. Look go to if you haven't gone to Hockey DB and looked at his his or anywhere else online and looked at his player profile shot uh-huh. and it's 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 Gadowski missing a front tooth. It's yeah. the perfect Guy Gadowski photo.
2: Paula Weston from USCHO is my guest here on the pipeline show. We're looking at the Big Ten. Uh, Now, a a couple of players I wanted to ask about in particular, and uh, we'll start with uh, Cole Caulfield in Wisconsin because Mm. there was so much Mm tension heaped on him early in the season. Yep. How would you describe his season? Because he's got 34 points in 32 games, 19 of which are goals. That's amazing. Yeah. But for me, he's been really inconsistent, though. There's long stretches where there's no production.
6: He's young. I mean, and I think the transition for him from – from college or from uh, uh, the uh, developmental program to college was challenging for him. Um, He's also not getting a lot of support on that team from uh, a deep offense. I think that's been one of Wisconsin's problems. And so, uh, and I'm not faulting Wisconsin or the coaching staff for that. I just think that's kind of the way it's worked this season. So, I mean, he's young and, and I don't know the kid at all. So I don't know if he's believed his own hype. I've heard he's a nice kid. I don't know, right? I mean, he probably is, but I don't know, you know, what's in his head. I just, it looks to me like a very typical rookie season for a really talented young man in, in at a college level. So, it, and I don't know too, then if that means that because he hasn't, because he's shown some inconsistency that he's going to be told to stay put for another year, you know, or, or because Wisconsin isn't doing well, I don't know if he's going to be told, you know, leave. I don't know how that's going to work out for him, but he's a threat every time he's on the ice, but you're right. Inconsistency. And I, I, you know, having watched him a little bit this season, I think he sometimes, Maybe goes for the cute play that he shouldn't go for, or maybe second guesses himself in 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 terms of when to pass or when to shoot. Hmm. And I think that and I think that's a young player's issue, an inexperienced player's issue. Okay. He's awfully good though.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's lots of talent there. That's for sure. Struggled at the World Junior Championship though as well, and yep. I just wondered yep. if that was just kind of a microcosm of what his season was like uh, at Wisconsin. I
6: think he'll. I think he'll get past it at some point with development. I do, but not this year.
2: Uh, Paula, who else has stood out for you when it comes to individual uh, efforts this year? I, I know we're talking about seven teams, and there's probably six or seven guys on each team, but are there three or four guys in particular? Right.
6: Um, I like Patrick uh performance at Michigan State this year. Right. He was on that line with Terro Herosey last year. That uh, you know, and is the moment he left Michigan State, went to Detroit and played. You know, and got like a, an assist in whatever eight you know, seven out of the eight games that he played at the end of the last season and he's been up and down with Detroit this year. He's he's going to be a a real talent, I think, at some point. And I'm sure that all Detroit Red Wings fans are looking for that at some point too. But he was on that line and there was some speculation about whether or not um that was, you know, the success of the other two players on that line, you know, Mitchell Lewandowski and Patrick Kotorenko. But Kortorenko has really stepped up this season and, and gained some confidence and, and and has impressed me with how well he's developed. Um I I'm I have been impressed with goaltending this season and, and I know that goaltender is a really easy sort of position to watch, but goaltending in the Big Ten hasn't been very good in recent years. So I've been impressed with John Letheman at uh Michigan State. He has had He's, he's struggled, I think, in the last few weeks, but but he has had a career season going from, you know, save percentages that were at nine hundred ish to nine twenty, thirty, forty ish. I mean, just incredible. And um Strauss Mann, also at Michigan, has come along. That surprised me. Mm-hmm. Um I I I am am I'm very impressed with that. And I'm I'm impressed with um, Johnny Beecher and Cam York at Michigan as well. Uh they're uh, Cam is a defenseman, Johnny's a, a forward and they I'm very impressed with their development this season as well. Um, I, I have been, you know, impressed in an, in a, in an opposite way. And I hate to say this about Kale Morris at at Notre Dame and that he sort of lost his confidence in that, you know, he won the the Mike Richter award a couple of years ago. And, and that was a big surprise for me that, that he was struggling and the offense in front of him was struggling. Notre Dame is not always, you know, an offensive team. Mm -hmm. uh, Although, Uh, Jeff Jackson, their coach sort of bristles at that, I think a little bit and rightly so. He wants them to score goals They're just sort of a more careful, tight defensive team. And when he wasn't getting the goal support early in the season, he really struggled, but Notre Dame has looked very good in the last few weeks too. So he might be a story to look at as the season emerges and then and then, or the season ends, and then Peyton Jones at, at Penn State, I think, has had as solid a season as you can have in goal, and and perhaps not get any well, in spite of the goals again, you know, the goals against. It's but his save percentage is really good, and he keeps them in games because they turn over a lot in front of him, I and mean, that's part of their game is that transition, and then the confidence to have somebody back there to stop things. So he gets hung out a lot, and uh, and I think he's been pretty solid as well. And I know, like I said, it's easy to focus on the goaltending, but But because that's such a a a focal position, but this season especially, I've seen some really good goaltending from big from the Big Ten, and that's a nice surprise.
2: Paula Weston from USCHO, my guest, uh, and getting ready for some uh, well, the final weekend in the Big Ten uh, before the playoffs, and that's always exciting. But Paula, you've been a guest of mine on the Pipeline Show. Well, we go back. Probably I don't know ten years that you've been coming on the show to this point. Maybe the whole pants party uh, joke that we were around there for a while. For a while. Uh, (laughs) But uh, I wanted to talk to you uh, about uh, being a woman in this uh, this atmosphere, in the the hockey atmosphere, which is still fairly male dominated, isn't it? And I I just wondered what brought you to the sport. I'm assuming you've always been a hockey fan, but um, how you kind of got involved covering it.
6: I like how you say fairly male-dominated. Let's just get rid of the fairly. Yep. <laughs> it's completely male-dominated. It still is. I mean, um, I, I don't know how that is necessarily in Canada, but it certainly is here in the States. Uh, uh, sports media in general tends to be overwhelmingly male-dominated. And I remember the first Frozen Four that I went to um, back in 1995, and then in ninety six I went to Milwaukee, um, and I've been to everyone since. I've been very lucky. Uh, and I remember looking on the, around the room and seeing only, like, one other woman reporter And this is a couple of decades ago, obviously, and and things weren't as sophisticated um, digitally as they are now, technologically. So you didn't have a lot of digital photographers. You didn't have a lot of uh, digital camera people and sound people in the big press room that you do now. And there are more women working behind the scenes. And then a few years later, I was really encouraged to see more women writers. But it's still, it's dropped off. I mean, every time I go to the Frozen Four, I'm really actually kind of surprised Hmm. when I run into more than just a couple of other women. And I'm always surprised if I, if I find a new woman writer, even a student woman, you know, like a woman who's writing for a student newspaper, student woman, that's a good phrase. (laughs) Um, uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I have degrees in words and sentences. Who knew? (laughs) um, But it's, it's, it hurts. You know, it's, I can't speak for what it's like in other sports because I've not covered anything else um, brief, I had a a nice couple of week brief stint where I filled in for somebody covering Big Ten baseball once and that was kind of fun. Um, but I, it's, it can be a really oppressive kind of thing. And and I don't think that younger women are going to speak to this or speak about this very much, but I don't have any problem talking about that anymore. Um, you get ignored for your work. You get, you know, you, you get, uh, looked over an awful lot. Um, and, and it, it can be really frustrating. And I'm watching younger women who are, you know, women who are 20 years younger than I am. And then this new generation of women writers just get murdered online. Yeah. And, and, and the social media is such a platform now that is necessary to get your word out. It's especially expected on Twitter. And I just watch these young women get eviscerated. And it reminds me of my early days when I would get horrible emails from people calling me awful, sexist things. And uh, that's, you know, it, it, So that atmosphere is not necessarily the best and I don't know what, you know, I don't know how that's ever going to change it. That having been said, covering college hockey, I have met some of the best people that I've ever known in my whole life. And when I'm in that press room, when I'm at a game, I never experience any of that, you know. So that's a very different kind of atmosphere. I think it's what's kept me in for so long, as you know. The NCAA family is a very small thing. I mean, when people come to their first Frozen Four as a media person, I think they're kind of surprised. It's just a you've got coaches and scouts and players and, and former players and, and media people and, and people who have known each other for years. And so it feels very family-like and, and a very supportive atmosphere in that way. Um, so that has been very rewarding, without question. I've met great people because of college hockey and fantastic fans, and and the coaches. Every coach in my league is wonderful, and, and in fact, I can't even I can't point to a coach who's ever been a jerk to me for any reason. Well, you know, <laughs> unless I unless I wrote something about, about his team that he didn't like, but I mean, it wasn't because you know I'm a woman in sports. It was because I wrote something about his team that he didn't like, and I've had a few of those conversations. Sure, <laughs> but you know. But it's and I got into it um, to answer that part of the question. Um, I've always been a hockey fan. My mom is a huge hockey fan, and um, she's from Eastern Pennsylvania, and was a huge fan of the Hershey Bears back in the day, and that's how she got into it. and And, um, and then the Bruins. My dad's from, from New England, so he was a huge Bruins fan, and uh, I've always loved the sport. And I had it's a very odd little story. I was a graduate student at Ohio State teaching uh, an early American literature class, of all things, and I, th- I had three Ohio State hockey players in the class. And this was back in the early 90s, and the team was terrible. I mean, awful. I don't know if they had three wins that season. And the players were great. They were wonderful kids, and they were the, the entire class was a really supportive group of people. And, you know, you had – a young woman in class who was in theater. So like 20 people went to her play and then and people started going to the hockey games. And, and this one kid was unable, he was academically ineligible to play. And so a bunch of people started going to practice to support him. And, and um, at the end of that season, the captain of the team gave me the name of an editor of a small newspaper in Michigan and said, here, I think you want to write about this. Mm. And I contacted him and covered that first season, he. Four ninety five, I think it was. I covered Ohio State, Bowling Green, and Miami um, for this tiny newspaper in Michigan, and then I got picked up by U.S. College Hockey Online the next year, and that's when I've been doing it ever since.
2: And as you said, for the most part, your experiences with players and with coaches have been overwhelmingly yeah. positive. Oh, yeah. So when it's, oh, yeah. when there's been negative stuff, it's from readership.
6: Oh god yeah. Oh god
2: oh, yeah. Wow. Come
6: on, they're sports fans. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Of course, I mean, I scream at the television sometimes when <laughs> I don't like what somebody says right um you add you know you got you know you you get this there's this this cultural thing where people are and again i'm I'm speaking from an American point of view. that that it's expected that men are supposed to be announcers, for example, Mm -hmm. you know, and so that the male voice is somehow the more authentic voice. And that's not, it's not an unusual thing. I mean, it permeates every bit of culture in the United States. And so, yeah, of course, I mean, I write favorably about 18 and uh, in the early days, anyway, I would get horrible emails from people and, you know, I get trashed on message boards and things like that. And, And and not unusual. And, And of course, if you're a woman, you're picked apart for everything, not only just how you write, but, but what you look like. And, and I mean, I mean, everything, there's just no, the standards, the double standards are incredible to me in media. And, and I, I don't know. I just, I, it's just been a very interesting ride in that regard. I have, like I said, I've really enjoyed it. And I love connecting with an audience and I love the immediacy of the time in which I'm writing that this whole job came about, you know, when the internet was blooming, right. and USCHO. I'm so proud of being associated with USCHO. I mean, we were the first .com that the NCAA gave cre- press c- credentials to, uh, the first .com that didn't have a print affiliate because that was a big concern at the beginning. Sure. And um, you know, and we've helped. I think we've helped shape. I know we've helped shape the discourse of college hockey and, and, and hockey in general, and, and and the way it's written about. And, and, and it sounds really silly and geeky, but the way Things are formatted when you write about hockey. We've shaped that, you know, and, and it sounds really, and we noticed things like that in the early, you know, going like, oh, everybody's using this abbreviation or doing this or, and, and, and we had a big hand in that and a big hand, I think, in popularizing college hockey and, and I'm incredibly proud of it.
2: Well, and you're one of the reasons that we uh, still like to talk about college hockey here on this show and uh, you've helped educate me uh, about uh, college hockey, the ins and outs, and uh, I really appreciate, you making the time this week and uh, every time that you've been on the show, and I look forward to talking to you again, Paula. Oh,
6: I really appreciate that, too. I love, I love uh, talking to uh, all of my Canadian friends about college hockey as opposed to
2: major juniors. But, you know,
6: that's, <laughs> a, time, that's a story for another time.
2: <laughs> Next time. All right. Thanks for this, Paula.
6: <laughs> thanks a lot. I appreciate it.
2: Paula Weston, so good. Such a great, great guest to have on the show. Always a wealth of information. She does a fantastic job. Uh, and wonderful to, to to catch up with her once again. She was one of the first college uh, hockey guests that we had uh, on the program. And the whole pants party thing, it was based off the, uh, the clip that's seen in uh, Anchorman where Rick Tamlin, who is slow, <laughs> asks uh, Veronica Corningstone, he would like to extend uh, an invitation to the pants, to the party, to the pants, to the party in the pants. Yeah, that's where that all came from. She rolled with it. It was an intro, part of an intro that we had coming back from break uh, back then. And uh, Paula just rolled with it. And it was funny. It was hilarious. We, that was kind of a running gag uh, for a, a year or so that we had her on the show uh, way back then. Interesting times in the Big Ten. Lots to be decided uh, this weekend. And then the playoffs kicking off uh, right away. And it's really, a, it's a pick it's a pick 'em almost to come out of that conference. So we'll see how it all plays out here over the next uh, week or two or three. Uh, And then the national championship uh, starts, gets going here, well, I guess about a month from now. All right, up next on the Pipeline Show, we're going to have back-to-back 2020 draft spotlight segments. Uh, The first guy, I've been trying to get him for about a month, finally had to go through his agency to secure the player. Wasn't having a whole lot of success uh, with his club team. Uh, But Connor McLennan of the uh, Winnipeg Ice also represented at Canada at the Holenka uh, Gretzky Cup this past summer and at the U-17s when he was that age. But he's been injured for a while. We'll get an update on that. We'll talk about his season in Winnipeg. That's all next with Connor McLennan of the Winnipeg Ice here on the Pipeline Show.
0: Now near side whites, Far side Krebs. Wrist shot. Scores! Peyton Krebs a wrist shot from the far side and gets by Bailey Birkin. Hey, it's Peyton Krebs from the
3: Kootenai Ice, and this is The Pipeline Show.
0: What's going on? It's a computer network, sir. Our system has crashed and our website needs upgrading. We can't take much more than this. Fascinating. Logic would dictate. We don't have time for your logic. What what should we do? I'm a doctor, not an IT expert. Call DLM. DLM Consulting does it all. Networking, video conferencing, website design, custom application development, and tech support. DLM Consulting. Reliable, affordable IT peace of mind. Online at DLM.ca. Or call Kevin at 960-7311. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming.
2: You don't scare me. I got chunks of guys like
0: you in my stool.
2: Back on The Pipeline Show, we're going to have a 2020 draft spotlight segment. My guest is coming from the Western Hockey League, which means it's an in-the-dub segment brought to you by dubnetwork.ca. You can stay up to date on everything that's happening around the Western Hockey League. Uh, make it a bookmark on your uh, browser. You can also subscribe to get your daily dose of the dub comes right to your inbox. You don't even have to search for it. Uh, My guest today uh, is Connor McLennan from the Winnipeg Ice. Uh, Connor, thanks for taking the time. Welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you?
7: Doing great, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh,
2: It's a pleasure to get a chance to speak with you. I've been chasing this interview for a little while, to be honest with you. So you've been on my my radar for a bit. Uh, I know it's uh, tough times right now for you and for the team. As you and I are speaking, it's uh, Wednesday this week, and the ice were just in Edmonton. Uh, and on the opposite end of a uh, uh, 10-1 shellacking. Um, Did you have a chance to watch that game from Winnipeg?
7: Yeah, I uh, got together with uh, Krebsy. We're sidelined for the next little while, but got together and watched it. Um, Hopefully the boys can bounce back and get a win in Calgary tomorrow.
2: Yeah, tough uh, when uh, the the team's uh, two biggest guns aren't on a road trip like that, especially when it's crunch time getting into the stretch drive of the playoffs and and the Winnipeg Ice uh, trying to uh, get back into contention for top spot in the East Division. Uh, where do you see the team right now? Uh, you know, obviously with you and Peyton on the sidelines, uh, how do you feel about where the the team is at?
7: Um, we got a good group in the locker room. Um, James has done a good job with with all of us so far this year. So um, I, I like our odds uh, bouncing back after a, a tough game in Edmonton but uh it's definitely frustrating sitting and watching so i just hopefully get back uh, as fast as i can for sure
2: and it's been a while since you got to play and and uh and i'm not going to delve too much into the uh, the injury. um do you know what the uh the timeline is are you going to be back before the end of the regular season or do we know yeah hopefully
7: uh get back for a couple regular season games but before we hit the playoffs but um things change um could be faster could be longer just uh just back on the ice now and doing my rehab, so uh, trying to back as quickly as I can.
2: And for uh, people who don't know, can you tell us how the injury happened? Was it in a game or practice or something? Or maybe can you just walk us through it?
7: Yeah, it was just a freak incident on the on the. We were on the power play, and puck was kind of in my feet against the boards, and guy came and crunched me, and just kind of hockey play it, stuff happens, I guess, out there on the ice. Uh, so, not, not much I could have done, but, uh, wish it didn't happen for sure.
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And as you said, I mean, the toughest part, uh, obviously you, you'd like to be on the ice and playing. It's a big year for you and you want to be helping your team as much as possible. That is it the mental side of it that is almost uh, harder to deal with than the physical side.
7: Yeah, for sure. I think I've, I've grown up for the last six or seven years, strength, strengthening my body and getting stronger, but, um, this is kind of the first, um hiccup i guess along the road with a with an injury like this and a big season for me so it's definitely tested my mental side but i've had a lot of support and uh, just now looking forward to get back on the ice
2: connor mcclennan my guest uh, forward with the winnipeg ice uh, this is year two for you in the whl last year 29 points in 46 games so you didn't play full season last year either uh i, I forget what it was uh why just the 46 games for you
7: I had a high ankle sprain around Christmas time last year, so I missed some time due to that, and then I uh, missed some time due to the under-17s. I think the injury put me back about 13 to 15 games, and then the under-17 was about five games, so that was the reason for missing around 20 games.
2: Well, the, the under-17, pretty, pretty awesome for you, though. 11 points in just five games, so that was a, that was a remarkable event for you. Um, getting a chance to play for Canada like that uh, had to have been pretty special.
7: Yeah, it was definitely special uh, throwing on that jersey. Um, I was uh, put in a lot of good situations by my coach, so um, it was definitely a first class experience for myself.
2: Coming into this season, Connor, what were your expectations? I don't know if you're the type of guy who uh, sets uh, like statistical goals, whether I want to get this many goals or this many points. I don't know if you, you do that at the start of the year, but what were your sort of expectations for this season?
7: Um, I, I just know I had uh, I had expectations for myself and uh, for the team. Obviously, having a tough year last year in Cranbrook and moving to Winnipeg, we all wanted to make the playoffs. But uh, personally, I had a really good summer of training and then going to the under-18s, gaining some confidence. Um, didn't, didn't put a whole lot of expectations on it. I just know knew if I put my best foot forward and worked as hard as I could the numbers would follow
2: well and the numbers are definitely there 49 points uh, right now uh, through the 42 games that you've been in including 21 games so in slightly fewer games than you played last year you're way past your numbers from last year so until the injury I have to think you were pretty happy with the way things had gone this year
7: yeah I I didn't like my first month or so Hmm. Um, I did a lot of extra work um, trying to find my game and then when uh, the puck started going in the net, um, I started taking on a little bit larger role, whether it was PKing or playing in the last minute. I think that's uh, what made me more versatile. And then um, when the puck started going in, uh, they were going in. So uh, that was a good sign right before I got hurt
2: there. Excellent. Connor McLennan of the uh, Winnipeg Ice, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. I, I told you, Connor, before we started, that uh, the audience that's hearing this right now, they might not be necessarily WHL fans, so might not know a whole lot about you, but will want to know uh, some background uh, when it comes time for the draft. So let's uh, get to know you a little bit more. Uh, where are you from?
7: Yeah, I grew up in a small town, uh, Wainwright, Alberta, um, near near Edmonton, so I've been growing up there my whole life.
2: A couple hours east uh, down Highway 14, I, I'm familiar with Wainwright uh, been a, a Cold Lake guy myself, but from uh, Wainwright, I mean, I guess you probably played in Lloyd at some point, I would guess. Most guys probably travel that far to when the uh, level of hockey starts to get a little higher. Yeah,
7: actually, I was fortunate enough. I never uh, did play in Lloyd. Oh, really? Um, my brother's kind of going through it now. I uh, actually billeted out in Kelowna for my two Bantam seasons. Sure. And then uh, when Midget rolled around, I uh, played at the Northern Alberta Extreme. And then uh, my 16-year-old year, I was in Cranbrook, so I never did uh, end up playing in Lloyd, actually.
2: All right, fair enough. Uh, I talked to a lot of guys uh, on the show about uh, f- that went through the WHL, and we get around to talking about the Bannerman draft and what that day was like uh, for them. And some guys get to stay at home from school, and other guys are following along at school on their phone or something like that. Uh, you didn't have to wait too long, second overall pick in 2017. But what do you remember from draft day?
7: Uh, actually in draft day yeah, I was in, uh, in a tournament in Philadelphia. I was on the ice and playing a game as the draft was going on and I actually scored a goal and looked at my dad and he held up a number two. So that was, <laughs> that was kind of an indication that I that I went to Kootenai. But uh, it was definitely a pretty fu- fun day for my family and I.
2: I you know, I, I was just ch- chatting with, uh, I think it was Jake Neighbors last week. It's the same thing. So you guys were on the same team?
7: Yeah, yeah, I think it was me, him, Ridley Gregg, a couple other guys who uh, were on the team. Uh, so it's good to be around those guys and uh, silk it all in for sure.
2: Nice. Well, knowing that it was uh, Cranbrook that had drafted you, what, what was your immediate reaction? You're going from you know small-town Alberta while you were playing in Edmonton at the time, but knowing you were going to uh, small-town BC to play in Cranbrook, uh, what was your immediate reaction?
7: Um, I, I was definitely happy um, to go 7-0. Second overall was a huge honor. Um, Cranbrook had a had a lot of great teams. Obviously, uh, when I went there, it was more of a rebuilding phase. But uh, now things are coming along. But I definitely enjoyed my year
2: in Cranbrook. And a big change now, uh, going from Cranbrook to Winnipeg, one of the uh, larger markets now in the Western Hockey League. How has that changed things for the team? Uh, just being in a different location like that, with a you know, obviously there's a lot more to do in Winnipeg than there is in Cranbrook. Has the move been positive?
7: Yeah, for sure. Um, From all the way from the management to uh, the players, everyone's uh, really relished the the opportunity that we have here in Winnipeg. Uh, Our rink is obviously first class, our training facility. They're uh, in the works of building a new game rink, um, playing Mm -hmm. at the max, so has been a lot of fun. But uh, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what Winnipeg can bring home this year.
2: Isn't it the Wayne Fleming or something like that?
7: Yeah, Wayne Fleming, yeah, you betcha.
2: <laughs> uh, Connor McLennan is my guest. Um, for the benefit of those who haven't had a chance to watch you play uh, in action, whether it was you know in Kootenai or in Winnipeg this year or with Canada in the past, the Holinka gretzky Cup as well, can you give us a bit of a, a self-scouting report on uh, what fans should expect when they see you play?
7: Yeah, I'm a guy who uh, loves to put the puck in the net. I'm a really passionate player. Um, Every time I'm on the ice or when I score a goal, I treat it like it's going to be my last one. Hmm. So uh, that's something that I I love to do. A little bit smaller guy, but uh, plays with uh, some tenacity. So that's uh, something that I take pride in.
2: Uh, Central scouting lists you at 5'8 and 163 pounds. Are those numbers up to date?
7: Yeah, those are pretty accurate um they be right around 160 to 165 and yeah right about one or five a you bet
2: now being out right now with the collarbone injury does that prevent you from doing a lot of uh, of training i mean i suppose you can still ride the bike and stuff a lot though
7: yeah i've uh been riding the bike since probably a week one so i'm i've been back on the ice and i'm uh Starting to get some more lower-body lifts, even uh, getting some more upper-body lifts just to strengthen things back up and uh, hopefully get back to playing as soon as I can.
2: That's good to hear. Connor McLennan uh, of the uh, Winnipeg Ice. Uh, Now, the draft itself, uh, do you spend much time thinking about it? Again, when I have players on the show, they're either in one of two camps. Some guys say, yeah, I want to see the rankings. I want to see where I am and and, uh, kind of use that as a motivator. Other guys say, I don't want to think about the draft at all because – Can't really control it. Don't want to get distracted. Uh, What about for you, Connor?
7: Um, You obviously see all the, all the stuff people are posting, whether it's on social media or, or buddies talking, but you uh, try not to think about it too much. um, Let it get to your head. Um, I try not to think about it too much personally, but uh, you definitely got to, You see the stuff that uh, people are doing, but uh, if you put your best foot forward, I think the results will follow.
2: Do you pick Peyton's brain about what it was like for him, and and does he give you an idea of what to expect, you know, come the combine and and all that stuff?
7: Yeah, he's uh, definitely a knowledgeable guy to ask questions about. He uh, obviously went through it last year, so having him around has uh, been a really good supporter for me this year.
2: Now, as uh, an Alberta guy, as we said, from Wainwright, not that far, well, a couple hours away from from Edmonton, were you uh, an Oiler guy growing up or were you cheering for somebody else? I know you're in Winnipeg now. Have you become a Jets fan?
7: Ah uh, no, uh, Oilers at heart for sure. I've uh, been to a couple Jets game this year. They're they're a lot of fun too. But uh, gotta stick to my lot. Gotta stick to the ropes and uh, stay with the Oilers.
2: <laughs> uh, now, anybody at the NHL level that uh, you know, kind of a, a cliche question, but do you see players that uh, you think you can emulate, and maybe you know when you get to that level, uh, I can play like that guy? Is there somebody that you pattern your game after?
7: Yeah, I try to model my game after uh, Alex DeBrincat, at Braden Point. They're both uh, smaller guys, but who uh, have had a really good start to their uh, NHL careers. They uh, both have a knack for putting pucks in the net, so uh, if I can be anywhere close to near them, uh, I'll be happy.
2: Excellent. Uh, Connor, before I let you go, uh, you have a teammate in Matthew Savoy this year. I wanted to pick your brain about him, a guy that uh, high expectations for. You get to practice with him. You've seen him play, and, and you've played with him as well. Can you give us a sense of uh, what makes uh, what makes him as a, a special player?
7: Yeah, Matt's a great kid. I've uh, got to get along with him quite a bit this year. He's been around enough and uh, I've been around him enough to know that he uh, puts the work in every day. He's a great kid who loves to learn. Um he's going to have a great Western Hockey League career and then uh, take that into pro.
2: Um
7: it's been uh, really fun to be around him every day and just uh, become closer closer with him.
2: Connor, listen, I wish you a, a speedy recovery. Hopefully you get back into action uh, before the end of the regular season, into the playoffs, and uh, the Winnipeg guys can make some noise. Uh, thanks for thanks for coming on the Pipeline Show.
7: Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it.
2: Well, that was uh, Connor McLennan, and a special thank you to his agent, uh, Tony Matarazzo from uh, Titan Sports Management uh, for helping set up that interview. Been trying to track down uh, Connor for several weeks now. Uh, so glad to finally get that one done. A tough situation right now for the uh, the Winnipeg Ice, as uh, they are without, as you heard there. Well, McLennan, obviously, he's been out for a while, but now Peyton Krebs sidelined too. And I uh, don't know the extent of that right now, but boy, the uh, Ice are uh, slipping in the standings. In the East Division, uh, Brandon has uh, passed them by now by a single point. Winnipeg still has a game in hand, but the Saskatoon Blades just uh, two victories back of Winnipeg and the Blades have a game in hand. So uh, no rest for the Wicked, and the Ice cannot uh, afford to be without their two best players in Peyton Krebs and uh, Connor McLennan uh, for the stretch drive here. Uh, And uh, you heard McLennan say he hopes to be back in time for a couple of games of the regular season uh, before the playoffs start. The official word from the Winnipeg Ice, uh, according to the WHL's weekly report uh, on Krebs, lower body day-to-day. Of course, here it still says upper body, eight to ten weeks uh, for McLennan. Uh, so if that's the case, he's done for the year. Because there's only, uh, what, three, four weeks left in the regular season. Anyway, good player, talented player. Uh, unfortunate uh, this happens uh, to anybody at any time, but especially in their NHL draft year like that. Uh, we've uh, we've talked to other players. It hasn't affected their, their draft stock. And right now, McLennan ranked 43rd by NHL Central Scouting. So we'll see. Uh, if there's any sort of impact for him uh, come draft day. Let's get to another 2020 draft spotlight. When we come back, he is the top-ranked defenseman available this year. His name is Jamie Drysdale. Uh, He plays for the Erie Otters in the Ontario Hockey League. Here's another interview I've been uh, seeking to land uh, for the uh, last month or so. Really fortunate uh, that I had a chance to speak with Jamie. I think you'll enjoy the conversation. Jamie Drysdale, the Erie Otters, is next here on the Pipeline Show with key Flaming.
0: One shot on goal for Denmark on that power play. Now McDavid back the other way. In comes Conor McDavid. Loose in front. Scores! Connor
3: McDavid with a fantastic goal. Hey, Conor McDavid of the Erie Otters, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show.
4: Living on the
5: compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today.
0: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming.
2: Yo! Stop your grinning and drop your linen. Back on The Pipeline Show when we follow a 2020 Draft Spotlight segment with another 2020 Draft Spotlight segment. Uh, this time my guest coming from the Ontario Hockey League and the Erie Otters. His name is Jamie Drysdale. You probably know him as the highest ranked defenseman available for this year's draft. Uh, Jamie, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm good. Yourself? I'm doing well, but I am not, uh, you know, one of the uh, top five players available for the NHL draft this year. When you when you hear things like that, do you do you almost? Uh, I don't know. Are you excited about it? Do you, do you want to downplay it? How do you feel about the hype?
1: I mean, I think it's pretty cool. Obviously, uh, having having my name in, in that kind of category is is uh, is nice to hear, and uh, I think. It's something that I'm excited about and looking forward to.
2: All right, well, we'll get to the draft a little bit uh, down the road here, but uh, let's talk about the season thus far for the uh, for the Erie Otters. Currently sitting in eighth place, as you and I are, are speaking right now, eighth place in the Western Conference, and that does get you in the playoffs. There is a little bit of a push from the Sioux Greyhounds behind you, and you're still trying to catch Guelph and Owen Sound, uh, and you're playing Guelph this weekend, so a good opportunity there. Uh, how have you felt uh, about the season thus far for your team? Yeah, you
1: know, I think it's, it's been a pretty, pretty solid year so far. I think, uh, obviously we've had some, uh, injury troubles, stuff like that, that have kept some guys out long term. But, you know, I think, uh, overall, um, we're doing better than last year. So that's always a plus. But, um, you know, I'm saying that, um, the group we have works really hard and, um, is just really tightened it together. So I think, uh, um, we're happy with where we are and we're obviously looking to make that push this year
2: and speaking of injuries you're just back from one uh fairly recently aren't you yeah um what can you tell us about what that situation was yeah no
1: i just uh took a took a i guess it was not a great hit but i took a hit and uh um just went face first into the boards got a got a little concussion you know was out for a couple of weeks but you know i um, coming back i'm really happy to be back been back for uh, a couple of weekends so um no, it's been good so far being back, and obviously any time you sit out and miss games for for an injury, it's uh, you, you don't prefer it, right? So it's good to be back.
2: Well, and I've talked to a number of players, in fact, one earlier in this week's episode who's also injured. Well, he's injured right now, and his team is trying to get into the playoffs and, and uh, secure their seating and things like that. And then he says it's almost the mental part of not being able to help your team right now as much as it is a physical uh, discomfort, not being able to play, uh, maybe the mental side of it is even uh, is even tougher to deal with. Did you feel the same?
1: hundred percent. I think uh, you watch your – like, obviously, I was in the stands watching the games. Uh, that Obviously, I want to be out there playing. So, you know, it's definitely tough to see your team go out and uh, play hard and just do everything they can to win you're in the stands. So, obviously, that, that sucks. And you never want to go through that um, – you know, in saying that, it's just motivation to get back quicker and do everything you can to to get healthy sooner and faster and be back in the lineup.
2: That's the way to look at it, for sure. Uh, Jamie Drysdale is my guest. He plays for the Erie Otters this year. Jamie, 42 points in 43 games. Uh, just past the numbers you had last year, but you've done it in 20 fewer games. Uh, I have to think you're, you're pretty pleased with the way things have gone for you on a uh, personal level.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, I think I'd be lying if I said this year hasn't hasn't gone pretty well for me. I think uh, with World Juniors, I was off, uh, obviously, definitely a, a highlight of mine. It was an unbelievable experience there. But
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, no, I think it's been a it's been a pretty good year. Um, I'm happy with how it's been. So I'm looking to finish off strong and just uh, do everything I can to uh, put myself in the best position.
2: Forty points last year as a rookie—that's a really impressive, strong debut. What what sort of goals did you have for yourself this year? I don't know if you're a guy who says, oh, "Okay, I want to get this many assists or this many goals," mm-hmm. but um, you know, what did you kind of for uh, project for yourself?
1: Yeah, I think coming in, it was I didn't really set point goals. I think um, I think my mindset is just that'll come, um, just if I play my game, play well, and um, make the right play. So I think it was more so just coming in and trying to make a difference night in and night out, and I think that's something that. I've been challenged to do and I'm um, working to do as well. So I think um not really point goals. Obviously you want to um, produce as much as you can to help your team win. But in saying that, I think it's just a matter of developing my game and playing as well as I can.
2: Now, uh, this show, the program, the Pipeline show, it's a, it's a junior and college hockey show, so normally my audience would be fans of junior or college hockey, but when it comes to the draft, there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans who go back and, and listen to uh, this interview, and they might not be junior hockey fans. They might not know who Jamie Drysdale is. So let's get a bit of background uh, on you if, you, if you don't mind. Uh, where are you from?
1: I'm from Toronto, Ontario. I've lived there my whole life.
2: Do you remember how old you were when you first started playing? I, you know,
1: I think it was probably three or four.
2: Okay, well, that's pretty standard.
1: Yeah.
2: Have you always been a defenseman uh, through your minor hockey career and stuff, or did you ever play up front or, heck, even throw the pads on?
1: I used to play center. That was when I was really, I started off center um, when I was like, I think I played when I was six, seven, eight, uh, maybe nine even. And then um, my coach switched me and my buddy. So uh, I went to D, he went to forward, and, we uh we played on the same team for the next ten years, and um yeah, it was uh, just a pretty good run
2: so it was a pretty good change for both of you then it's worked out for him too yep, anybody we know
1: um Ryan Alexander, he's committed to Arizona right now, I've played with him all in my minor hockey career. He's drafted at the Erie as well, um okay. but he's going to college.
2: oh, well, you couldn't convince him to to come with you to join the honors, huh. Eh?
1: Yeah, he's a pretty stubborn kid.
2: <laughs> Jamie, uh, tell me about the uh, the OHL Priority Selection uh, and what that day was like for you, uh, getting chosen fourth overall. That there's got to be some pressure that goes along with that. But uh, t- take me back to draft day and what it meant.
1: Yeah, it was um, unbelievable. I think uh, having that feeling, you kind of um, you know it's coming, but you don't really know what it is until it actually gets there and you hear your name called. I think that that's kind of the biggest thing mm-hmm. um, when it actually happens. It um you know what you feel it it's really exciting and um you know the draft was on april 7th my birthday was the 8th so it was a pretty good uh early birthday present and um definitely a happy day
2: now how would you feel about it being eerie the fact that you'd be leaving the country and playing in the states did that excite you or were you a little hesitant about it i mean at that age uh, maybe you might feel uh, one way or the other
1: yeah no i think um i was excited i think um you know, you, you see all the players that come through Erie and stuff like that. It, it's definitely something to be excited about. Um, I know Erie's previously taken a lot of um, Toronto Mileys, which is where I played and um, done well, done really well there. So I think, um, you know, I was really excited to be here and be a part of the team.
2: Jamie, the uh, NHL Central Scouting, they list you at what, about 5'11, 170 pounds. Are those uh, numbers up to date or are they a little, uh, do they have to be updated a bit?
1: Um, they're, they're pretty, pretty up to date. I think, uh, they, they stay on top of things. My, my my weight obviously fluctuates. I'm not the biggest guy, but, um, you know, I, I think I've learned, learned and learning ways to, to, um, manage like that with my size. I think it's just something that I've learned to deal with my whole life and I don't think it's really affected me.
2: Well, for fans who haven't had a chance to watch you play, I'm wondering if we can get a, a bit of a self-scouting report. How would you describe yourself to somebody that's never seen you play and you know, want to know what you bring to the table?
1: Yeah, I'd say um, I I personally classify myself as a two-way guy, but you know, I think a lot of people would definitely say um, I'm more on the offensive side. I think um, the game I want to play in, the, in at the next level, if I ever get there, will be um, – a two-way game. I think I want to be reliable in both zones. Um, I think I rely a lot on my skating. I think that's definitely an asset of mine, and it has been for for um, my whole life. So I think um, I use that to my advantage a lot, and just use it in all areas of the ice.
2: Now, of your 42 points right now, 34 of them are assists, only eight goals. Now, that's that's not a negative by any stretch. But do you see yourself more as a, you know, a guy who starts the playoff rather than you're not the trigger guy on the power play? You're the guy feeding the, the shooter.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think um, I've kind of always been a dish man. Um, I, I I look for pass before shot um, almost all the time. I think that, that's something that has just always been a part of me. Um, in saying that, I think um, I've many times been challenged to shoot the puck more. Yeah, and I um, think I've been doing that a little bit more. But you know, I've always been a pass first kind of guy.
2: Now, uh, with at the World Junior with Hockey Canada, you got to play with you know Ty Smith on the back end. Uh, Kaelin Addison on the back end both guys also not six foot three and 210 pounds uh, but really successful and uh, Ty was a, a first round pick Kaelin an early second round pick do you see similarities in the way they play and the way you play the game
1: yeah yeah I think uh, I think I do um, they're obviously great players I think uh, it was definitely fun to play alongside them as well as just watch and take in what they do I think obviously they're both a couple of years older and uh, more developed so I think uh, where I could learn things I, I learned that I where I could pick up um, little details in their game or how they uh, how they make plays and what they do on the ice was definitely something that I looked for. Uh,
2: now tell me about the draft uh, Jamie and, and uh, uh, you know when I talk to players on this show uh, that are draft eligible, they're one of either two camps. some guys they don't want to think about the draft. they don't want to know where they're ranked uh, because it could be a distraction and other guys say, They look to see where they're, they're ranked because they use that as a motivator in in a way. Um, What what about for you? How do you feel about, uh, you know, all the attention and, and uh, the rankings and things like that?
1: Yeah, I'm more of a guy like, obviously you see all that stuff with all the social media. um, You're going to see it. It's going to come around, but I try not to think about it too much. I think uh, definitely um, you do think about it um, being um, in that situation, but I think, um, you know, it's, it's definitely something that, that's there and um, upfront with you and um, something that you look forward to, excited for, and something that um, you dream of going through. So I think um, definitely there's nerves, but, you know, I think um, at the end of the day, you can only can control what you can control, right? So um, I think I'm just focused on um, doing everything I can to, to be the best player and best person I can be come draft day.
2: Well, I don't know if there's a list out there, you know, with, NHL Central Scouting or TSN or Sportsnet or any of the independent uh, ranking places, I think everybody has you as the highest ranked defenseman. Why do you think that is? You've, you've played with or against uh, many of the defensemen eligible this year. What sets you apart in your mind?
1: Um, I think my skating. The way I skate is definitely something that, that separates you. It's always kind of been an asset of mine. Um, and I think just the way I think the game. Um, like those are probably my two strong suits and in uh the game but in saying you know I like you said I play alongside and against um a lot of top top D and you know um there's a lot of great players in our in the draft class and um I know a lot of them personally so you know um I think we'll all be happy for each other to come draft day wherever where anyone goes
2: uh jamie listen i really appreciate your time uh i certainly wish you and the otters the best of luck the the rest of the way here in the regular season and into the playoffs and if things don't go the team's way uh, perchance you you would still have that u18 option uh, uh available to you too wouldn't you uh yeah okay well but we i know you don't want to be thinking about that until uh at what such time as it happened to come available so uh certainly uh you and the erie otters have some work to do before the end of the year and into the playoffs and I want to thank you for your time today and uh, wish you the best of luck.
1: Of course. Thank you.
2: Outstanding defenseman, Jamie Drysdale. I remember going back uh, right after the Helenka Gretzky Cup and a uh, friend of the show, Ross McLean, uh, was raving about him uh, after that event. And so he's been on the radar for me since then. And his stock has just continued to rise uh, for everybody else along the way here and now uh, ranked as the top defenseman in the class of 2020. And uh, thanks to Aaron Cooney, voice of uh, the Erie Otters and the guy who sets up the interviews for me uh, for uh, finally being able to lock down uh, Jamie Drysdale. We were close a couple of times before this, uh, but things fell apart at the last minute. So uh, last week I said there was a guy I was chasing that I didn't want to jinx. Uh, That was uh, Mr. Drysdale, as the otters reached out to me late last week and said, hey, we can get him. uh, Here's when. Can we do it? And yes, we could. And uh, glad that we were able to do that. Uh, For you, the listener, there is one segment left to go on this week's episode, and it's going to be a U-Sports update. The UBC Thunderbirds in unfamiliar territory as they have a chance this weekend to capture the Canada West crown for the first time in, well, a very, very long time. Uh, I'll let my guest tell you how long and what that would mean to the program. Uh, Colton Keller, you know him, former Edmonton Oil King captain, now with the UBC Thunderbirds in year two uh, with the program. He's my guest next here on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. We
3: need this win, you know. we got a lot of losses. To yeah, make. we got a lot
0: Come of losses. Come, Come on, second the, top. On the bottom. That's Come what on. we're here for, guys, to
3: win. Hey, this is Dave Hanson of the Hanson Brothers from the movie Slapshot. I'm ready
7: to put on a foil but not drink any of that stinking red beer as I sit down and listen to the Pipeline Show with my good buddy,
0: Gee. Just a little bit south of Saskatoon. Pick my guitar for room. From the organization that brought you Mark Messier, Matt Benning, and Ian Mitchell, Spruce Grove Saints Junior A-Hockey is officially back for the 2019-2020 season with all the action taking place at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. With tickets starting at just $15 per person, AJHL Hockey provides some quality entertainment. For more information, visit www.sprucegrovesaints.ca. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming.
7: You know, I hear the camera adds 10 pounds. Looks like you've
0: eaten five cameras.
2: Last segment to go here on the Pipeline Show for this week, and it's a U-Sport update. And, uh, wow, things uh, big things happening in U-Sports uh, hockey in the playoffs. And uh, my guest uh, coming from the University of British Columbia, former Edmonton Oil King captain Colton Keller. Uh, Kels, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. How are you?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Thanks for having me, Gabe. It's been a while since our last one.
2: Yeah, that's right. Well, it's, this is year two for you uh, at the U-Sport level, and uh, I, I don't think uh, you could have scripted the playoffs here to be any better. Uh, first round upset over uh, Mount Royal, and then uh, a big one up here in Edmonton last week, uh, spoiling your uh, the home team's uh, big playoff push uh, and doing it in the, what used to be your hometown here with the Edmonton Oil Kings, but uh, a big win against the Alberta Golden Bears as well. The, obviously, you guys have got to be sky high right now.
3: Yeah, um, it's been a nice, nice run we've been on, um, and you know, like you said, to do it in, in Edmonton was a nice little cherry on top. I know for myself, and and guys like Patty Day, who was able to share it with his family, and Quinn, who was able to you know finish his WHL career in Edmonton to so mm-hmm. share it with his billets and um, and some of the guys at the game. It was it was pretty special.
2: And that'd be Quinn Benjafield, <clears> and, and you mentioned Patty Day for all former. Uh, Edmonton Oil Kings now uh, tell me about this series uh, well let's start with the Mount Royal series and I, I don't know how you felt going into that one but I think on paper most people would have expected uh, you guys to be the underdogs or picked you to be the underdogs uh, how'd you pull that one out
3: uh, you know we played them the week before actually and and we split with them so that gave us a, a good amount of confidence going in going into that first round um, we we believe we're pretty evenly matched you know we were obviously four and five in the standings, but um, it was it was a heavy series playing them. Um, we we had a bit of hate going on, and you know we came out Friday with with that confidence, and then uh, Saturday Saturday they came out with you know their desperate their desperate push to keep their series alive, and then Sunday it was just a it was a seesaw battle. We we ended up going up three nothing. They climbed back, and then they scored with what one point one seconds left in the third, and. Um, that, that that was uh that was pretty heavy going back into the room, but you know when when it gets to that point in, in your season and in uh, game three an elimination game, it uh you know that's that's what you're playing for. You just want to keep your series alive, and I think we we grasped that going back out for overtime. We were able to get one on the power play to to send us to Alberta. So it was a uh, yeah that was that was definitely definitely uh an emotional series.
2: The way you describe it, though, you you blow a three nothing lead. They tie it with under two, just over a second left to yeah. go in the third period. You know, I don't think anyone would be, would blame you if going into the dressing room before overtime, you almost feel defeated. Like, man, I can't believe we let them get back in this game and tie it up. And how how do you come out for overtime not feeling like in a way you've already lost?
3: I think we just you know we want to utilize every minute of that intermission just to kind of reset. And um, it was. It, it was definitely difficult, um, you know, not to, you know, overhype it. But it was, I think, it was close to the anniversary of that 2010 game where you know the US tied it, and I mean, it's, but just just realizing, you know, what was at stake, and you know, we had gone that far, and we were proud of our weekend up to that point. So just just to stick with it, and you know, we 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 had nothing to lose, like you said, we we're we we're a bit of the underdogs. So just remembering that for sure was was helpful.
2: Colton Keller of the UBC Thunderbirds is my guest. He joins me courtesy of the Troubled Monk Hotline. Uh, now, uh, UBC, then then you go to you come up here to Alberta to take on to Edmonton to take on the Alberta Golden Bears, and and again, you, the U of A getting to the national championships is it's almost a foregone conclusion. I think everybody almost expects that to be the case every year. Uh, not this year, though. You guys knocked them off, and again, you win Friday, but they come back and and uh, win a fairly decisive six-one game. On yeah, the Saturday, yeah. but then you take you you win two one in, in a very tight game on Sunday. Uh, how do you when you look back at that series? How did it go in your favor?
3: Yeah, well, I think the first thing is was our goaltending. Yeah, I mean, Ryland Toth I think made you know upwards to 140 saves in, in our wins or something or throughout the whole weekend I believe, and it was um, I mean going back to Sunday, you know, the save he made on a two on oh um eight seconds into the game and then the save he made with you know two two and a half minutes left in the third uh to, to keep us up one it was uh it was definitely a goaltending performance uh like I've never seen uh live before. Um, you know, without Tother we're uh we're probably licking our wounds right now but um he he did a job for us and and we were able to you know put a couple put a couple past their guy and um he was able to hold on for us it was uh yeah just like that that sunday game they came out they came out strong got one got one in the first and then also just shut the door um i think mentality we we wanted to have was just putting pucks on net we knew we could uh If if there was one area that we could exploit, it was just put putting pucks on net, and um, it worked for us. We 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 were able to get a couple by them.
2: All right. Well, this weekend you're uh, in Saskatchewan in Saskatoon to take on the Huskies. Uh, What's the uh, the weekend series or the season series like between the two teams?
3: Um, Yeah, they they had our number in the in the regular season, I think. But I mean, so did Alberta, so did Mount Royal. So um, we're we're going in with a similar mindset. No, No one's given us a chance, and you know, but we're a team with nothing to lose and team with a good goaltender, a really good goaltender. So I think in the playoffs, that's definitely a uh, dangerous combination.
2: Uh, Colton Keller is my guest uh, here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, and uh, I don't know how many banners there are hanging at your rink at UBC. I know going to Claire Drake Arena, the, the Golden Bears have a number of banners. But when's the last time yeah. that, uh, the, the Thunderbirds have been in, in a situation where they could come home as uh, as conference champs?
3: I believe the last last time uh, uh, we made it to the conference final was uh, the 78-79 okay. season. So about 42 years. Uh, <laughs> we have one banner from the 70-71 uh, season where we were uh, Canada West champion. So, you know, just, um, you know, it, it's hard. I don't think it's really sunk in the, the kind of history we've made for our program. But, um, you know, to think that we've come this far and made this much noise to not, you know give ourselves a chance to you know walk away with a banner um you know it, it's definitely it's definitely something that still is uh is achievable and we've proved that we can we can be good teams and um yeah like i said we we got nothing to lose and we got we got a really good goalie so in the playoffs you can't go wrong with those two things
2: when you talk about that sort of history or lack thereof uh i mean there's <laughs> yeah. there's there's no chance you're looking past this series and ahead to the, to the national championship, or to the nationals, uh, because of how key and how important and how momentous this uh, this weekend could be for the program.
3: Yeah, um, I mean, just appreciating and um, we well, you know how we come this far, but for sure, um, it's. Uh, I think we'd be doing ourselves a disservice, disjustice if uh, if we didn't if we didn't pull this out and um, give ourselves a really good chance. We, uh, you know. Like you said, we're going to we're going to Halifax either way. But just to put that on the back burner for now and worry about the next four four or five days is going to be, you know, could could be a huge turning point in our program. So that's definitely our our focus as of right now.
2: Colton Keller from the UBC Thunderbirds, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Your uh, your team, uh, pretty much loaded with uh, former WHL guys, and that's just a, an indication of just how how many players, former WHL guys or CHL guys, are are taking and making use of their scholarship package. Uh, and going and playing U Sports. Um, was that an easy yeah. decision for you? I, I mean, I mean, you probably had, um, a pro opportunities. You could have went to the ECHL or over in Europe, but why was going to U Sport the right fit for you?
3: Uh, it was, I think, I think part of it for me was wanting to come back home. I've, I've been away for five years as well. Um, but yeah, you no, know, you can't go wrong with getting your education. Um, I think just, you know, for me, I wasn't, uh, wasn't totally sure what I wanted to do with, with my schooling, but knowing to like you know, leaving the WHL you know, one of the best leagues in the world and having the opportunity to go to one of the best schools uh in the country was was something that that I had in mind and uh you know being able to get a degree from here and, and you know use use the scholarship program to, to go to UBC it was it was huge.
2: I've never been in that situation, so I don't know how easy or complicated it is to, to access this the scholarship package. Is it, you know, is there lots of paperwork or something or is it pretty simple?
3: No, no. Uh, Greg Gardner made made it very easy for us. So, you know, a couple of forms and, um, you know, a couple buttons to press on the on the computer just to accept your scholarship money is pretty easy considering uh the the value that it has behind it it's um it's definitely once in a lifetime and you know i think uh thinking about passing up passing up the scholarship to go to ubc was uh something that i i couldn't do so
2: now i know it's it might be different for everybody each individual has to make their own choice but if somebody asked you you know a, a 20 year old in the dub right now were to ask you you for your opinion, you know, and they had a chance to go play in Europe or in the ECHL or something, or, or yeah. use their scholarship package and and go to to play U sports. Would you recommend of doing what you did?
3: Um, I don't. I mean, everyone's different, right? I don't want to, right? You know, tell everyone if 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 your goal is to to play or your dream is to play pro hockey, then 100% go for it because you know. You might you might regret it either way. Whatever whatever route you choose, um, it's obviously a big decision because it's it's only accessible after what one one full year of pro hockey. So um, it's a big decision, but I think it's something that uh, you know at the start of your nineteen or twenty year old year probably start thinking about it because it's there's a lot to weigh and there's um, there's huge benefits on both sides. But I know you know coming to youth sports and utilizing it for the last couple of years is um, something that i definitely don't regret you know just the uh the experience of university and living on campus and um the opportunities it provides you to to grow as a person and you know the balance of school and hockey it's uh i think i truly believe it's invaluable
2: uh you played three years in the WHL, uh, all of them with the edmonton oil kings so when you look back at your time uh, with the team and in the league what stands out for you
3: um i think the um uh, the the support that I, that I had from the organization, from, from Randy, from Randy, Steve, um, Ryan Marsh, obviously Steve Hamilton, Randy Hanch, um, my billets uh, I believe they're listening right now. I told them I was going to be on on your show. So, uh, (laughs) Gail and Darnell McCurdy, um, you know, all just, just, it was so, so, uh, life-changing for me and it, I still I just get emotional at times because um you know looking back it's not always the most memorable um times in Edmonton obviously our teams weren't uh, as successful as they were in the past or as they are now but right. um you know they they left the door open for me um after you know four or five years after I was drafted and I finally came and you know uh from from the scholarship to the way that they helped me um you know almost turn my life around it was uh um i'll never forget the the impact and the influence they had um on my life so that that's definitely the one thing that that stands out for me
2: uh now i, I it's only been a couple of years so there'll still be some guys on the current oil kings roster that you got to play with do you, do you keep in contact with any of the guys or do you, do you follow how the team is doing obviously you're aware that they're currently. Uh, one of if not the top yeah. team in the league. Yeah,
3: no, I, I definitely follow the team close. Uh it's hard not to. I still played with a good handful of those guys and to see them, you know, have such quick success um after, you know, us finishing last two years ago mm-hmm. and for them to turn it around to see those guys doing well, I, it 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 definitely makes me happy to um to see that and you know they deserve it. Um and so some of those guys were, were younger when um, when we weren't doing so well, so they obviously had to learn learn sort of the hard way, and I think uh, it's going to make it, um, you know, that much sweeter. it probably makes it that much sweeter the the quick turnaround that that they're having. I can be more proud of those guys.
2: Colton, certainly wish you the best of luck uh, this weekend against Saskatchewan, and uh, for you and QB14 and uh, and Patty Day. Uh, good luck to you and the yeah. UBC Thunderbirds uh, when you get out to Halifax.
3: Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Guy.
2: Colton Keller and the UBC Thunderbirds in Saskatoon this weekend try to capture the Canada West title uh, for the first time in a long time. Uh, That should be a fun series. And the Nationals go the weekend of the 14th, 15th, that area of March. It's exciting times in the world of uh, prospect hockey as the CHL playoffs get to the... uh, The the playoff race really culminates here over the next uh, few weeks into the playoffs. You've got NCAA uh, conference playoffs going AJHL playoffs and across the CJHL it's playoff season outstanding exciting time of year uh, to be around the sport that's for sure thanks to all the guests that you heard from uh, today they all joined me courtesy the troubled monk hotline I am going to be cracking open a uh, daycation logger a little bit uh, later this evening Uh, there might be uh, one or two uh, maybe more uh, going down uh, the old pipe uh, tonight uh, and tomorrow, I am uh, headed to Red Deer a little bit earlier than I would normally, as the Oil Kings are in town to play the uh, Red Deer Rebels. I'll be in the visitors' booth with uh, Andrew Peard doing uh, the Oil Kings game. Cam Moon will be in the uh, home booth with uh, Mike Moeller, but uh, Mooner and I are going to connect uh, before the uh, contest uh, in the early afternoon at Troubled Monk, uh, where I'm gonna—I uh, think I'm gonna enjoy some samples of uh, uh, the varieties, lots of varieties that they have on tap at the tap room. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. But tonight it's going to be daycation. I think I actually have some, uh, I, well, I have a taster pack. So I've got I've got Golden Gates. I've got the Pesky Pig. I've got the American uh, Brown Ale. And I've got the uh, Bucktooth Belgian White. Uh, but I've still got some daycation as well. And I might have a Rebel's uh, Red uh, can or two kicking around. So I've got lots of options. I'm going to enjoy them all tonight. Uh, lastly, thanks to all the patrons who have signed up uh, to support the show. Patreon.com slash The Pipeline Show. Give it a look and uh, see if it's something you would be interested in. A couple bucks a month would give you early access to all the episodes, or, or rather all the interviews that you hear on the weekly episodes. You would get to hear those uh, interviews two, three, sometimes even uh, four days ahead uh, of uh, the release of the actual full episode. Uh, And a number of people have uh, helped uh, keep the show going uh, by doing that. So I really appreciate that and and encourage everybody else to uh, look into it as well, just in case. Next week on the show, more 2020 draft spotlights. I think I'm going to grab somebody to uh, tee up the Alberta Junior Hockey League uh, playoff picture. It's been a while since I had a guest from the queue, so we'll probably head out there. NCAA campus report, more in the WHL. Lots, so much we can talk about this time of year. And we will do it all. So between now and then, get out and watch some junior college hockey so that you and I can talk about it next week right here on the Pipeline Show. Until then, my name is Keith Flaming. See ya.